You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Hello Anaheim, this is uh, Making Tracks Live, live at Celebration Anaheim. I'm joined by a load of co-hosts from all the various Fanfare shows. We're going to get straight into it. I'm going to start at my right. Carl, can you reach the mic? I can, unfortunately for the audience. Introduce yourself (laughs) and Greg, tell us who you are, what you're doing. Hi, uh, I'm Carl, I'm one of the hosts of Desert Planet Discs on the Fanfare Tracks Network and we play lots and lots and lots of Star Wars music and then talk about all sorts of nonsense as well. And Greg, what do you do? I'm Greg, I join Carl on the podcast and talk a lot of nonsense uh, and sweep up afterwards, uh, try and cut Carl off while he's talking too much. And uh, you may also know me as uh, Darth Elvis, so I do some singing in my spare time uh, and do Star Wars parodies. Excellent. And later in the episode, we'll be coming back to you guys for a mini episode of Desert Planet Discs. I look to my left, to the far left, Mr. Booker. Evening. Uh, and uh, which on the Tracks Radio show do you co-host? I co-host Cannon Fodder with yourself and Brian Cameron. That them. Dearly oh, miss Brian Cameron. Mine Oh, we'll get to me in a minute. Okay. It's this dude I'm more concerned about. Can well, you explain yourself, please? There's nobody more concerned about me than me. So, uh, I'm Paul Naylor in, in real life. Yes, but who are you in fake life? In fake life, I'm Naypaulor. And there's a big campaign to get Naypaulor as the character name for this character that I'm portraying that appeared in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, so, and, and uh, you're the person spearheading this campaign, I assume. Yeah, the, the, uh, when, I, when I say a big campaign, if you receive an email from... The one and only. And it goes into your trash folder, have a good look for yeah, it. Check and, as, and as this is radio, what character would that be? Explain the character, because you can't see on radio. Well, all my life, I wanted to be something of importance. Right. A lightsaber-wielding Jedi, or maybe a, a blaster-toting Corellian. As we all. I'm an admin clerk uh, for Mokshe. Oh, it's Boba Fett? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the full costume. Oh, uh, well, I've got the summer version on today. I've got my shorts on. It's the newsreader version. <laughs> the newsreader version. There's nothing from the hips I, down. I've got the... Um... Darth Maul. It's a pair of heels, though. Red yeah. legs. It's the Zoom version I'm sporting today. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's very 2022. But I'm, uh, I'm the co-host of Start Your Engines. Free badges for yeah. everyone. Which I do with, uh, with Mr. Newbold here. And uh, it's, uh, we're only uh, two complete episodes yep. in, uh, but we'll be doing a special short version today as well. We will, a mini episode. So we're going to kick off, and I'm Mark from Making Tracks, if anybody's bothered. And, oh, how's the Champions League final going? Come on, I need to know the important stuff. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, <laughs> I, I think I know where it's gone. Uh, we do have, we have two guests. I'm going to bring up uh, our first guest, Adam Christopher. Yes, if you're available. There you go. If you can squeeze in, it's, it's rather snug. This is nice. Yes, this is. It's one of the curses oh. of being a fanther. Hello. Hello. So, um, obviously, you can't say too much about your forthcoming uh, tome because you've got a, a publishing panel this evening at 6 uh, Yes. But what I do. can you say? Well, well, so Shadow of the Sith is. Uh, the story of Luke and, L- Luke and Lando chasing Ochi of Bestoon as Ochi chases Ray's parents and Ray 
um, set in the kind of wilderness between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, uh, which is a really interesting period because it's not something that has really been explored much in in books. There's, you know, there's like a book and there's a few comics. Um, but yeah, it's like it's a kind of wild wilderness. When you were given the opportunity to do this book and tell this story, and we don't know, well, you do, but we don't know exactly <laughs> where it's set in that time frame. Where were you drawing the most inspiration from? Does it feel like you're pulling from the OT leading forward or drawing up towards the sequel trilogy? Where do you kind of pitch it? Well, this is a really interesting thing because it's the, really the first opportunity to directly link the original trilogy with the sequel trilogy because Luke and Lando are the main characters, essentially, but then we've got Ray's parents um, and Ray, who are obviously sequel era, uh, even though we only see the Ray's parents in The Rise of Skywalker for like five seconds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is, for me, it was really cool because like I love the, I mean, I'm, in, I'm of the right age to be an original trilogy fan. I love the sequel trilogies, the trilogy, so to kind of put it together, um, like, yeah, what a fantastic opportunity. And a bit of clarity, because I know people are going to ask, how do you pronounce the names? Uh, so this was revealed the other day. So Dathan is Ray's father, and Miramir is Ray's mother. Got it. So Dathan like Nathan, like Phanthas like Bantha. Exactly and, yeah. right, yeah. So Dathan being the failed, failed, um, genetic strand cast of Palpatine. Um, and yeah, and of course, Palpatine was terribly disappointed that his clone son has no force powers, so kind of you know rejected him. Uh, and Miramir is from a planet that will be revealed and has a family that will be revealed. Excellent, yeah, it's cool to be able to create that kind of thing. It's like you know, I'm a Star Wars fan first and foremost, and to actually do something which which makes a difference, it's like this is. Sometimes the books and comics, you know, because you've got the TV and the film, which obviously is the most important yeah. thing, obviously, you have to sometimes, like, explore characters or moments or very specific things. So to have the chance to do a book that really, like, I kind of call it like a tentpole book, like, mm -hmm. it has stuff in it which is important to the saga of Star Wars. And I got to name Ray's parents, um, amongst other things, uh, yeah, so I'm like, this is happening? It's happening, yeah. <laughs> when you talk about Star Wars, one of the phrases that gets used a lot is sandbox, and it feels like you've been given quite a substantial sandbox. There's a responsibility that goes with that, along with being a fan, of course. How did that weigh on you, if at all? Well, it was really good, because when I, you know, the brief really was the, yeah, the conversation that Lando has in Rise of Skywalker with Rey, and he's like, oh, me and Luke chased Ochi and Pisana and there's a wayfinder we never found it like and then they they gave me that it's like well go and write the book of that so and that was it that's all that was it yeah well, well which is good because this is the thing of like they need people to write the books they can trust to just kind of go away and do it and produce what is required because it's a you know it is a job yep. um uh yeah and like I <laughs> The other day on there was a panel, the publishing, Lucasfilm publishing panel, and Jen Heddle, who was the Disney editor, was like saying she was really amazed by the book because they gave me that brief and then I came back with a 150,000 word manuscript. <laughs> you know, because how do you turn that into a story? Yeah. Like, what happened? Um, 
So the idea of it being an open sandbox where I could do what I wanted was really good because I knew for Star Wars books that's sometimes a rare thing. Um, and I thought as a Star Wars fan, I want to write something that I would want to read. Yeah. And because it's between you know the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, this to me was like episode 6.5. I thought, okay, I'm going to write episode 6.5 as a book. So what is going to happen? If you were... If you were watching a saga movie, main saga movie, what would happen in it? What would you want? Yeah. What would be exciting and like surprising? The best things about Star Wars movies and TV when it's good is like it surprises you at every turn. Like, you know, this whole thing on Disney Plus, it's like you watch an episode a week of Mandalorian or Book of Boba Fett or now it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and like every week is a surprise. Yeah. And like, which is amazing. And that is like really good storytelling. So I thought, okay, you know, what would surprise me? It's just like I'm the writer of the book. What would surprise me? Um, but yeah, so it was, it was really good. And I'm aware of it being a rare opportunity and I'm grateful that I could do it. And I had a lot of fun. And did you try to write beats into like the films and the TV shows um, in some parts? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Because like every, if you think of it, one of the movies, like certain things happen. And yeah. the kind of the acts and, you know, what do you want? You want speeder chases, you want spaceships, you want quiet character moments. Yeah. This being a Luke and Lando book, well, Luke is the kind of kick-ass, lightsaber-wielding Jedi. Yeah. Like I said somewhere else, like, at this point of time, he's like the most powerful person in the, in the galaxy, basically. Yeah. And he knows it, and he's aware of that power. Like we saw at the end of, you know, Mandalorian Season 2 when he comes to collect Grogu. That's like, you know, warrior Jedi. And then we saw in the book of Boba Fett where he's training Grogu, that's like the wise, peaceful Jedi. So he's a really interesting character. So, yeah, I was just like, I, you know, obviously, because I've been writing for like 10, 15 years professionally, you know, I kind of have an instinct for beats and acts and story acts and things. So I did write it organically. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's a long book as well. It's like, it's, you know, 150,000 words. So it has to have a kind of pace and a kind of the beats. You get their money's worth. Yeah, you're going to get your money's worth. I mentioned the audiobook is going to be, I don't know how many hours. Really? Oh, my have goodness. You, have you heard any of that yet? No, I haven't. I know who the narrator is. Um, oh, I now. can't say yet. Okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's like, I don't know, audiobook narrators, what a job. It's like sitting in a closet for 40 <laughs> hours recording a book. A padded but, one, no less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So no characters ever exactly where you leave them, but obviously you're picking up Lando and Luke, specifically Lando and Luke, quite a bit on from where we last saw them. How do you assimilate all the information to make them the characters you want them to be to tell the story? Well, you know, Luke and Lando are the two of the most recognisable characters from the whole saga. I mean, Luke is the main character. Um, I didn't worry about expectations or what people might think might happen, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I, and like, things have happened, you know, Luke has his temple, um, he's got this great power, which he's aware of, and like, he's not, he's not afraid of that power, but he knows what could happen, you know, because he's got first-hand experience of what happens when that power can, can be turned. Yeah. So he's always aware of that and everything that he does in the book, like the decisions that he makes, he's always weighing it against what he could do and what he should do, which are kind of like two separate things. And then Lando, I mean, we know him as the kind of the gambler and the playboy and the kind of raconteur and that kind of thing. But, you know, he's in a very different place because he lost, his, his daughter is kidnapped mm. by the First Order about six years before the book. 
So you can imagine for a person like that, what would happen? What would happen to you if that happened? Like it's a huge tragedy which completely changes his life. And of course, he hasn't found her. Mm. Well, we know from the Rise of Skywalker that he never finds her, as far as we know. Um, so then to put these two characters who aren't like if you imagine the end of Return of the Jedi, they've then gone off on different paths completely, and then they kind of uh, you know then have come back to meet at this point in time. So yeah, they're like an odd couple, but um, but but like really strong characters. Yeah, I mean it's Luke and Lando. Come on. Yeah, and so. You get the chance now to create new characters without giving anything away about the book. You've, you're able to inhabit your story with characters of your own. How much joy does that give you? Yeah, this is the thing. Like writing tie-ins is quite difficult because um, when you write your own book, it's all your own stuff, your own creations, characters, whatever. Like writing a tie-in, like Star Wars, you have a, characters that already exist, like Luke and Lando and whoever else is in the book, and then you have to create your own characters and the thing is, like, millions of people love Luke and Lando and know exactly what they're like and who they are. Mm. Uh, so when, when, when your own characters come onto the page, you've got to give them the same kind of depth and weight um, because people these are new for people, but, like, they've never been seen or heard or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely... I had a lot of fun creating some new important characters as well. Like, it's Luke and Lando's story. They meet people. They cooperate with people. They fight people. Um, there's one character in particular who comes in that kind of forms a partnership and they kind of help. And and also, like, Ray's parents, you know, you see them for five seconds. And I think in the in Rise of Skywalker, um, and I don't know what the expectations are for them because obviously, like, Miramir is played by Jodie Comer on screen, yeah. one of my favorite actors. I remember when I first saw The Rise of Skywalker, I, was, I didn't know she was in it, and I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, when you see this flash of, of her. So I knew that they, I mean, they're, they're, they are original characters, really. Five seconds on screen doesn't count <laughs> yeah. for much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and of course, they carry the story as much as Luke and Lando does, so. Um, they're a kind of weird one, because like, they're original characters that I've created, except they already exist in Star Wars. That makes sense, yeah. It's like the, you know, the bounty hunters and Empire Strikes Back, you see yeah. Zookas and Forlom for like two seconds and then someone creates comics and books and things. Were you given much guidance by Lucasfilm on the, her parents then? No, not at all. Not no. At all. No. Oh, wow. no. 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 Is that preferable? <laughs> like, or, or? Well, yeah, no, it's good because they, I knew that then they trusted me to do it. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with them, like, they kind of... Well, you do a big outline for like a tie-in book, which is good because everything's approved beforehand. So when you write the book, you know you can just go for it. So you, yeah. with the outline, I kind of put in everything. I thought they're just going to tell me to take it out because you know, oh, really? you, well, you just throw stuff in. It's like, well, I could do this and this. But you went for broke, and then I went for broke, oh. and they were like, yeah, sure, okay. And you were expecting a couple of things. Yeah, to yeah. I was like, there's no way they're going to let me do that, and they're like, yep, <laughs> cool. Or the guidance you sometimes get is like, you know, are you sure it's like this and this? And if you can always back it up, it's like, yeah, because this comic had this or this book had this. Right. And they're like, okay, cool. So you um, read all the comics and a lot of the other books as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm a fan as well. Yeah. So, like, I read the books and I read the comics. I read, you know, Canon and Legends and the EU and all comics going back to, uh, you know, <laughs> the LA Times newspaper yeah, yeah, strips yeah, yeah, yeah. of 1978. Yeah. Hardback. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So and have you been able to pull from as many avenues as possible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not saying any more about that, no, but no, no, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> but so much from the previous era has been brought in by people into things, so being yeah. like Cavan's caught back in, bought in Jackson. Well, it's like you may as well. If you yeah. enjoy a story or a character or anything, planet, yeah. ship, setting, so long as it's not uh, completely contradictory. Yeah. Or even if it is contradictory, if you can like find a way of making it work, then yeah, why not? Um, yeah, and like the Jacks, like we're at Star Wars Celebration. There's Jackson cosplay yeah. outside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is like you'd never imagine that would ever have happened. Well, they finally made an action figure and stuff. So exactly, yeah, yeah. But Ten years ago, you'd never dream of. Oh it. No, no, no. So, would you like some of your characters to come across into the comics? Yeah, I mean, and I, maybe they will. It's just one of those weird things I say original characters like this is Star Wars I don't own Star Wars no but so, you create yeah and it's funny I did a comic um, called The Shield for Archie Comics a few years ago we, and myself and Chuck Wendig who's another Star Wars writer we sort of created this new version of The Shield yeah which is great and then it's like and then she appeared in other comics <laughs> and we're like okay yeah that's cool she like these characters that you create especially when they're part of a larger universe like Star Wars yeah or the Shield, Archie Comics, you know, um, they have that they develop their own life, okay. and and like it's out of your control, which is actually really cool because it means something about them worked that people want to like see. Kieran when he handed off the Doctor Aphra comics, oh. and wrote Vader and the other books, and right? Stuff. And then you've got like Black Crescenton and um, you know In the Book of Fett. yeah, mind blowing, incredible, yeah. And so, obviously, given where we are in the day, you can't say too much, but what else can you or would you like to say other than everybody buy the book? Yeah. <laughs> no, everybody should pre-order everybody the book. Everybody should pre-order the book. <laughs> um, it's just an, an adventure. Like, Star Wars is fun. You can say things that are important and have meaningful themes and ideas, but also it's like, it's, you know, it's space wizards and laser swords, which is amazing. What's, like... <laughs> how can you not love that concept even just like space wizards and laser swords I'd watch that yeah. come on I'd read that we kind of, you've got a bunch of guys here in their mid to late 30s 40s <laughs> <laughs> 20s <laughs> in, still enjoying stuff that we were enjoying when yeah. we were 7 so totally right <laughs> yeah and I was actually I was outside in the cosplayers having the big clone troopers meet and stuff and like and it's like packed absolutely yeah. packed and I thought George Lucas is responsible for this. Like, what an amazing thing for like one person to come up with this this movement and and mythology. Like, there's nothing like it that's ever happened, I'm sure, in Western kind of popular culture. No. Like, and I think I'm a writer and I write my own stuff. And like, can I possibly imagine that something of my own could spawn this? It's like no way because that's You're it's all. It's all next celebration. Somebody will have cosplayed one of your. Well, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's funny because we're recording this now. The book is out a month today. Yeah. And I'm very nervous, but, you know. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, we're going to be speaking to you on Counterfodder just ahead of then. It'll, the interview will come out on day of book release. Yep. So everybody listen to it. Uh, but for now, thank you, Adam. Very much appreciated. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Hello, I'm Dennis Lawson. And you're listening to Fanfatracks. Right, we're going to push on with the show. We have our next wonderful guest up on stage. It's Mark Van Olen from Denuo Novo. We haven't spoken for a while. You've got loads 
of stuff coming out and loads of things being announced. Let's dig into it. What can you tell us about what's been revealed so far at Celebration? Yeah, well, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you guys for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We are having a great time at Celebration. I've lost my voice because I've been speaking to so many consumers at our booth. It's been really fun. We're calling this our coming out party because it is our first celebration as a brand. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know about Denuo Novo, we picked up the license that was left behind by Anovos. So we have the high-end costumes, collectibles, helmets, and all that stuff is on display in booth 2347. We're also running a sale for anyone who might be listening who isn't here at Celebration, 10% off and free shipping. That's a good deal. And it's yeah. an all-new company. A brand new company, we're owned by Ruby's, the costume company. You guys might be familiar with them. Yeah. Uh, we're also part of what I call the NECAverse. Uh, you know, our owner, Joel, also owns NECA, which also includes JEI, the Clapper, and Chia Pet, which are in the booth right next door to us. And they also have Kid Robot. So we're part of a big conglomeration of really interesting collectibles companies. And just for you personally, <clears throat> before we dive into it, you've come from a, a rather different arena. <laughs> There's some similar looking things yes. on the table here from, from tops. What was the shift like for you? Is it, is it a transferable, easily transferable thing? Or was it a big new learning experience? Oh boy, well I've been a licensee since 2014 on Star Wars and once they pull you in the tractor beam, you can't escape. Um, <laughs> I went from working on a high-end collectibles category to working on a high-end collectibles category. So for me, it was very transferable. <laughs> I loved my time on trading cards and especially on Star Wars Authentics, working with the talent. That was really exciting. Um, and now I get to work on these awesome, like screen accurate products. Like the helmets that we do are just killer. And I'm a sort of light cosplayer myself, uh, but these items are in a whole other um, uh, territory yeah. of screen accurate, just incredible looking feel. So tell us a little bit about what's what's coming up, or not so much what's coming up, but what's here with us now. I can't, I know you can't reveal too much, but no, I can tell you a lot. That's why I'm here. If well, we didn't have news to share, up. yeah. Um, <laughs> so on, just to sort of go back in time, uh, we went live in August of 2021, and we've been steadily fulfilling back orders that were left behind by Anovos. So at this point now, we have about 40 items available on sale on the website. That includes about 25 in stock problem uh, products, no problems, 25 in stock products, and about. 15 on pre-order. Um, some of our newest releases include the Imperial Officer uniforms, which just went up a little while ago, our new Django Fett helmet, which is brand new, um, and our reveal that we had at the show is the 501st Trooper helmet, which we're very excited about. Uh, Anovos had started on a clone trooper phase two um, before they lost the license, and they were doing a two-piece execution. Yeah. Uh, we were able to create a one-piece uh, clone trooper and then do a paint variation for the 501st with that beautiful blue on the front. Uh, so it's both wearable um, and a nice displayable piece because it's yeah. made of fiberglass. So if you want to come check it out in person, um, come see it at the booth. It's down there. Absolutely. And so when you get a this again, speaking for you personally, when you see a piece <clears throat> as a fan, <coughs> Excuse me. You get excited. You get lit up by it. When you're telling people like us, or selling it on the booth, or pushing it on the site, how much, how enjoyable is that? That's the that's the good question. Yeah, I'm a lifelong geek. You know, I've been as I said a licensee since 2014, but I've been following Star Wars since I'm a little kid. I'm in that weird in between where I wasn't there in '77 because um, my parents hadn't even met yet, uh, but I am raised by the Ewoks. So I think um, my first movie was probably Return of the Jedi, and then I watched the live action movies for the Ewoks and the cartoon and droids, and so I'm from that weird little in between generation. Um, but I feel like Star Wars has been a part of my life since I'm a little little kid um, and a life 
lifelong comic reader. And by the way, I got to get that book now, The Shadow of the Sith. That was a good little pitch. Um, It sounds very exciting. Um, So for me, I try to keep up with everything in the fandom. And I want to work on something I'm passionate about. So when the opportunity came to go to Ruby's and then relaunch this entire category in the high-end space, uh, I couldn't pass up on that opportunity. And the amount of research that goes in, because you, by design, need and want this to be as screen accurate as possible. How deep into the weeds do you guys go? Oh boy, um, so the way Innovos used to do things was they'd get to physically see the prop, it, prop itself, like if it was used on screen, get measurements, high-res high photography. In the case of helmets, like a 3D file is really yeah. good for engineering. Uh, because of COVID, we haven't really seen any physical items in person yet, like I haven't been out to like the archives or anything, uh, but apparently... I would hope so. I mean, yeah. I think at the moment, though, we're figuring out ways across uh, all industries to yeah. work without that kind of access. Yeah. And so for us, just excellent photography. And then, as you guys know, being designers and painters and everything, having the right color map. So if we have Pantones or CMYKs or something that we can replicate. Uh, but really, the big thing is seeing what was seen on screen um, and comparing it to the original item. From there, we'll go into molding or to pattern making. And then, of course, the most important thing is Lucasfilm approves it themselves. Right. So this is officially licensed product we're not um, an Etsy shop or individual makers where you can sort of take liberties or um, execute it how you like it has to go through all the proper channels and from there they've given the blessing to put it into market and you've worked with licensees obviously before within this sort of realm how exacting is that approval stamp um, it's incredibly, I don't want to use the word tedious because that is that sends the wrong message, but time consuming, it's a journey. Yeah. Um, and I will say Disney's been incredible to work with, um, especially on some of our more challenging products like the Clone Trooper, where we really went to them and were like, we don't like this two-piece execution that Innovos had started with, it's not wearable. Um, and they gave us permission to remove that like bottom ring on the, on the bottom of the helmet yeah. because it's not really seen on screen. Like, yes, it would be true in the original piece, but we want it to fit over your head and you can then use it for trooping and yeah. stuff. So we're able to make those sort of slight concessions. Um, another interesting example is our Sabine Wren helmet. Um, you know, that's an animated character. By the way, here we have a live action Sabine um, based on the panel. I was like ready to cry at my booth. I'm a Rebels fanatic. Um, so that's very exciting to hear. I mean, we all suspected, but now, now we have confirmation. Um, but that helmet that you see, we're doing the season two and it's got that bright orange and that sort of red um, purpley kind of wine color. We had to translate that animated color into real life. And then from there, it's same thing with the shape. You know, it's not really accurate to any human's uh, body. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to take a little bit of liberties on bringing that to life. But we do have a, a movable viewfinder, so it goes straight down, which is very cool. So, so is now it? you know she's in season three of Mando, hopefully. I think it's Mando season three she's in. I thought it was the Ahsoka, but either so, way, right, who knows? We'll see her in the, the Age of the New Republic. Is that six to seven space? Are you hassle your person at Luke's Mobile since you've all the assets <clears> to get on with that and do it soon? I would like to, but our biggest thing at the moment is we, like, I wouldn't feel good putting out a lot of new product until we clear out the back order from Inovos. Like, we have to take care of those original customers. So right now, the only new item we have is the Kylo Ren Rise of Skywalker, um, the Django Fett, which was actually started by Inovos but never finished. They never collected money on it, but still, it's sort of an Inovos legacy item. Um, we are going to look at the new streams of content to figure out uh, what we want to go into next, yeah. uh, but we are laser-focused on the things that uh, they didn't finish, and there's still a good 20 items uh, that people are owed, including basic stuff like Stormtrooper helmets from Classic Trilogy, uh, Stormtrooper helmets from Force Awakens, and the Executioner helmet, um, both in fiberglass and plastic. We've got some costuming pieces uh, that we're working on, uh, but I would love to do live-action Sabine, um, and I really want to get to like more Mandalorian pieces. We've got the helmet, can I get your shoulder piece and then the rest of the armor? That would really be where I would go next. All the different shoulder pieces. 
Yeah, well, yeah. that's the thing is like he's got a lot of components to his outfit. Yeah. I think the biggest one is the insignia with the mud horn, yeah. right? Like that would be, I'd go there first. Yeah. 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 With all the new content, you've just mentioned Sabine mm-hmm. and Ahsoka, and we've seen two episodes of Kenobi so far. The anticipation for what you've got coming, for you as a fan, as much mm-hmm. as anything else, without saying anything, because I know you can't, have you seen anything yet on screen over this weekend where you're like, we are totally on that? <laughs> um, there's, there's been a few already, and I think we want to fill in the gaps uh, of like, I mean, I think in all licensed product, there's probably a character that is underrepresented. Um, I would say like Reva is probably a good example of that, right? Like we did see a Hasbro Black Series figure, but will she, because she's third build in the show, bef- you have to get sort of do Obi-Wan and then Vader and then you get to her and then you get to Grand Inquisitor, yeah. right? There's sort of a yeah. ranking within a show and that show is one of 10 shows on the air now. Like where would she land in like a skew, a yeah. skew ranking or something? Yeah. But we don't have a lot of women's wear and we um, certainly don't have a lot of characters of color. So I, like, I would jump in on something like that. Um, I don't know if and when though, again, because of like the back order in particular. Uh, I also think that in general, uh, pieces of costumes really important versus like a full ensemble so can we get people um uh the helmet first and then start building armor the way we would on like mando yeah Yeah, because that makes sense oh sorry man Uh, patches and stuff and bits like that that can perfectly authentic replicas of the patches and badges and stuff and the bits on the costumes right so fans go and make their own foam core ones and stuff like that and then add the the authentic pieces onto it yeah you can start swapping out as we start making them available and then uh hopefully find your way into the 501st we saw a lot of those guys come into our booth today and they were saying they use our products to make their costumes which that was cool to see that's that's what i was going to say your pieces are guessing you all start with a helmet because that that to a collector that's a display piece isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah to a costumer that's grand zero and you work your way from there exactly and that's actually been a big topic of discussion at the booth uh plastic versus fiberglass fiberglass is your display piece uh plastic is better for trooping um all of our x-wings and our tie fighters are plastic those are made in china and they use decals whereas we have our fiberglassing facilities here in america um and those are really our display pieces they are wearable um we do want everything to be costumable um, but yeah, I don't know how many people are running around with like the Imperial Royal Guard um, red helmet in fiberglass. Uh, that would be, imp- I would die. I, I tried it on once and I was like, you can't wear this for more than a minute. <laughs> See, I tried the Don Post one back in the 90s and it wouldn't fit my head. Uh, it's a very narrow helmet, more so than all the others. Front to back of your yeah. head, you've got to have a very small and, nose. And, and, and I, have this, I have this very Italian nose over here. So um, even the Mando helmet itself like squishes up against me. Yeah. You could see it through the purple visor. It's distinct. Dis- exactly. Distinguished. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have a noticeable profile. Um, but that's the kind of thing where we do have all the measurements up on the site. So if you were looking to buy something, especially on like the costume pieces, uh, you know, shoulders, arm length, uh, chest, yeah. all of that is up there. And the helmets, for the most part, fit a size 8 hat. And that's American sizing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what else can you tell us about what's coming, what's happening, and where <coughs> we are with Dino Anova? Yeah, so um, we're about a third of the way through the Anova's back order from a quantity perspective and probably about 50% of the way on the actual number of products that are available on the site. So that's um, all in the works. We have a lot of things arriving in June, including the long-awaited first order kit. That's really the, the biggest one, the number one item on the back order that people are waiting for. And then the associated helmets for those are coming in Q4. So that'd be the various stormtroopers. Uh, we also have something at the booth, and I brought you guys some extras. I didn't realize there were so many of you on the panel right here. I would have brought more. Um, this is our little, uh, it's a giveaway for you guys. It's our first order insignia uh, duty cap patch. So it's a little Fantastic. one and a half by seven, um, one, one and a half by 1.75 inch little um, uh, 
adhesive patch, and you can put it on clothing. So um, these are for you guys cool. uh, to keep. I'll, I'll bring more for the rest of the crew, okay. um, and you can give as many away as you want as well. So we have those at the booth. Um, and then also coming in June, our Admiral tunic and Krennic cape are both going to be in stock, as well as all of our That's TIE fighter right. helmets. We know somebody on the team. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Oh, totally. You met Brian many a time. Yes. He's back home in Scotland. And he excellent. He already has the celebration uh, credit T-shirt with Kate cosplay. Yeah. Oh, terrific! But yeah, he's he's he fully embraces the. We credit. just assumed yeah. and made it with him in mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this this is a really interesting one because it's been in the works for so long. Um, it's finally here, and like we're you know it's like literally on the water. We're tracking um, you know shipping containers, uh, but if we do have a sample at the booth that you can check out, uh, the big question was always what's the color of that outfit? It is not white. It's like a weird eggshell off-white yeah. kind of thing, but it's a nice heavy cape with a lot of seams and a, it's very over um, designed which is true to the character of Krennic yes. like it's very ostentatious so does it flow nicely it does I wore it around the office and I was bothering a lot of people um, I mean I can't imagine you doing that you know, I mean we're a costuming company so there's always some nonsense happening out in Westbury um, yeah. people are in inflatable costumes running around we have a photo studio on site so there's always models coming in and out and I will tell you um, sometimes um, even before model shoots like you know, we, we actually make on-site uh, the first samples, not our manufacturing, but like we have a design team there and they're cutting and sewing and um, all that stuff. And we'll run around. I was, um, I also work on the Viacom portfolio for Halloween costumes. And so we have the shirt from Blue's Clues. And so I was just like running around bothering people um, in the, in the, um, in the blue yeah. stripe, stripey yeah. shirt of the new host. And they were like, everyone leave my desk, go away. Um, but the cape has great dramatic flair. It flows and it sort of hits around your calf. Okay. So it's like, a, you won't trip over it, but so it's a nice around length. Around my hips somewhere, I guess. So um, I put you in a double X based on your shoulders and your height. Oh, no, you are a wizard. That yeah. is exactly... Come, should be giving this away. So. No, I will tell you this. Come to the booth. We've been we we didn't bring our measuring tape, but we've been sizing people all day. You have to, you know, it's the Tim Gunn method. You you dress the largest part of your body, and for you, it's your height. So from there, it's, it's like not my height. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so from there, like we would, and we have all this on the site too, of like what we would fit you with. But um, so the, the cape is that. nice and long. You've learned a lot of new um, skills in the last couple of years. Then. Yeah, it's been crazy because I'm no seamstress, right? Um, <laughs> but we do have all that skill on site, and you absorb that information. And when we're making these items, and you might have remembered too, the Anovo's items are like a little bit fitted, a little bit tight fitting, right? Yeah. Because they're usually built to actor specifications. Mm -hmm. yes. And every actor you've ever met is secretly skinnier than you realize. It's yeah. kind of crazy. I saw, um, I think it was Oscar Isaac in person yeah. last, uh, last convention, and I was like, you are skinny. Um, and it, it's because and, on, on screen, everyone looks like an action star, yeah, yeah, like superhero. Yeah. Um, but everyone is smaller than you realize, and they're built to those specs. So we're now sort of grading up those sizes, and sometimes the double X is probably closer to like a true XL. Um, so we, we try to put up there what measurements we think you'll fit in best. And before we let you go, <clears throat> how have you enjoyed this celebration? It was all being back together again and doing oh stuff like this. Oh, my goodness. What, how, how wonderful, right? It's been a really tough couple of years for everyone. I mean, you know my story. Like, I was on furlough, and then I found this new job, and a lot has changed. But it's like old home week, right? I'm seeing everyone from around the world. You guys came in from England. Uh, people, I'm from New York City. There are people in from other parts of the country and all over the world. And um, it's been really nice just to see everyone. 
I was out Tuesday night just at a bar having drinks and catching up with people um, when I had a voice. And it was just nice to hear everyone's stories and see what they've been up to. A lot of people have changed jobs. A lot of people have moved. A lot of people are just happy to be in the panels. People were crying already on like day one. So I was like, what are they going to do to us, man? And then uh, the Rebels thing just happened and someone came and gave me a hug. They're like, we're live action, Sabine. And I was like, I know, I'm waiting. I'm like all in on the new content. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks as all. Thanks for these, but thanks as always for coming and joining us. Yeah, it was great seeing and you. And we'll see you again soon. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. I'm now going to vacate the stage because I'm going to pass the whole show over to these two gentlemen to my right. Hello, celebration. Celebration? Celebration, yeah, it's the celebration Cilla of Cilla Black. <laughs> All right, Chuck. We, we, we are a music show, so we have to get our mentions in. Uh, yeah, uh, for those of you that don't listen to the regular show, why not? Um, we present uh, Star Wars music and Star Wars fan music and music by Star Wars fans uh, from across the world. And, uh, yeah, we thought uh, for today we'd uh, have a little bit of a chat about celebration and uh, musical side. So, um, with me, as always, my co-host, Greg, a.k.a. Darth Elvis, who has been musically active this celebration. Have you not, sir? I have indeed, yes. I was uh, performing at the multi-club bash on Thursday night with uh, the Force Capacitors, a.k.a. the Flux Capacitors. Yes. Um, which is why my voice is a bit hoarse today. <laughs> yeah, we're, get, we're getting to that stage of the con where everybody's a bit, little bit hoarse. And I've only had two hours sleep, I think, pretty much the whole week. So. <laughs> yeah, so what was the, uh, the multi-club bash like? Oh, fantastic. I mean, if, if anyone's been to the bashes before, um, the... Just incredible, just the party atmosphere. Um, and I think particularly because it's been so long um, since everyone's been together, um, it, it was just unreal. The bands were great, the DJs were fantastic. You had uh, Atomic Blonde and DJ Elliot were there. Uh, but just getting to see friends you haven't seen from all over the world, which is, you know, why celebration is so good. Um, no, it was incredible, great night. And as you can hear. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in, in in the auditorium, and uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a really good night, really really good performance uh, from both the band and yourself. And uh, yeah, I, it, there's there's a lot of social media reaction come out of the back of that, I think, <laughs> uh, especially uh, being joined on stage again by a, an Akbar Cosbar cosplayer. Yeah, thankfully this time he didn't slap the guitarist in the face <laughs> like he did in London. So yes. Uh, um, th that it was amazing. That was my third uh, bash, I guess, in the row. I did London 2016, uh, Chicago in 2019, and then this one. Um, so I got my hat trick in, which is great. Yes, and and we will be doing a Darth Elvis special show later in the year because this is the 15th anniversary of Darth Elvis because you first performed in Celebration 2007. Yeah, Europe 2007, so... Um, it's, I'm most excited, I think, about being able to interview myself. That's, that's yeah, so tune in for that one when it airs, guys, because Greg will be asking and answering the questions um, in character. In character. 
<laughs> or yeah. answering them in character. Answer them in character, not answering yes. So, uh, yeah, lots, lots to come on that side. And uh, we thought we'd, we'd round out with a little bit of music. And this was part of the set from the multi-club bash. He says, trying to talk and find the track. So, this I'll uh, hand over to Greg to introduce himself. So, yeah, this was uh, on the album for Darth Elvis and the Imperials, my previous uh, backing band. Uh, this one's called, a song called Sweet Caroline originally. Uh, but obviously, I'd write a song about the boss, uh, Mr. She Palpatine. Here it is. can't begin to know him, but then I know he's growing strong. He was a Sith, the Sith became the Emperor, who'd have believed he'd come to your right Now you don't seem so lonely Follow the rule of only two And when I heard Darth Elvis there with Sheev Palpatine and a bit of dad dancing there from Mark as well Dad dancing? Oh Mark (laughs) Small smattering of applause. Much deserved. <laughs> I should just point out that uh, Desert Planet Discs was brought to you by Mountain Dew, which every time I come to the States, I forget that I absolutely love Mountain Dew. You're going to turn into a large gelatinous green blob of Mountain Dew, I'm convinced. Yes. And you'll be better for it. Hi, this is Julie Dolan, the voice of Princess Leia, and you're listening to Fanthatrax. It's your only hope. So we are going to do... A mini episode of Start Your Engines, me and Mr. Napola. We're going to talk about, we've done two episodes so far. We talked about the Falcon. We spoke about TIE Fighters on the last episode. Come here, Pet. I'm coming here, mate. Um, and uh, I thought we'd, it seems fitting given that our logo, and everybody can pick up multiple badges if they want to, uh, our logo for Start Your Engines is the Panther in a land speeder, which you can't quite see because the celebration sign's in the way. So I thought we'd talk about the X34 land speeder. And because this is a podcast, nobody can see me reading my notes. Which is, I'm glad you've got them here, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, kick off, we talked about this before when we did the previous episode, and then we edited it out because it was nothing to do with TIE Fighters. Yeah. When you were a kid, what was your first memory, first recollection of that land speeder? 
Well, for me, I mean, obviously I can remember it from the films. Um, I think probably because it, it was the most sort of real-world vehicle. Uh, it felt like your dad's car. <laughs> Particularly back in the 70s when cars were either bottle green or brown. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, it was like the Austin Maxi from outer space. Um, so it was all beat up. But the fact that it hovered was just so cool. Yeah. And the effect, obviously, looking back at the original now, it was like, I think, I'm right in saying it was, it was a smudge of Vaseline? On, on, yeah. On the I think they, they so it, like you say, it ran on wheels, essentially, yeah. but they smudged a bit of Vaseline on the... the on combining the, it with mirrors yeah. and all sorts of different yeah. tricks that they tried at the time. The mirrors was the clever one. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it felt like it, it, was the, it was the vehicle that grounded us. It brought us back to that possibility of something that could come to Earth in the future. That's a, that's a really great way of putting it. I'd never th quite thought of it in those terms because you open up with the blockade runner and the stylish one that's like a city and TIE Fighters and the Falcon. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you see, like you say, a land speed, which feels kind of like a feasible vehicle, doesn't it? It's a planetary vehicle. Yeah. So, you know, it's not going to go off into space. It's something that everybody should have in their home. Everybody <laughs> should have it. It was made and designed by the Soros Corporation, based on Sullust, way out in the, wow, it's outer rim, I think, Sullust, or maybe the mid rim. Uh, half the planet's population worked for that company. That's, that's, a, that's a hefty investment in making, well, the Landspeeder was sort of a, almost a side project for them. They made lots of other vehicles, but that's a lot of people to be working on one company. So you know it? so much about this stuff. Only because I'm reading it off a script, which... Thankfully, you will not see on a podcast. Um, it's the X34 Landspeeder. Two and a half thousand credits if you bought it secondhand. Four thousand five hundred if it was brand new. Luke sold his for two thousand credits because his was a beaten up, battered old piece of doo doo. They just don't hold their price. This part X uh, rate, you know, it's just not very good at all. Well, I blame the XP38. Well, ever since that came out. Yeah, exactly. They're worth nothing. Three and a half meters long. 250 kilometres an hour, 155 miles per hour, as we would say. It's pretty fast. So that's a, that's, that's yeah. a decent I think, thump, isn't I think it? I think my Seat does that downhill. Yeah, that's downhill. pretty good. <laughs> with you in it. Off cliffs. <laughs> with, with four of me in it. <laughs> Thank you, gravity. Uh, but its maximum altitude was one metre. I always imagined that it could. It had a higher flight deck than just a metre, yeah. but it's literally what you see was as pretty much yeah, as far as it's designed suppose, to go. Yeah, I mean, I always imagined it might be able to sort of like, sort of like go a little bit higher off a hill or something, but no, I mean, if that's what it does, cool stuff. I mean... It, as a kid, when the uh, the toys came out in '78, can I just ask, when you were a kid, did you have the moustache? Uh, no, I had a full beard then. Okay. When I was a kid, <laughs> yeah, I just I just thought I'd go Magnum PI just for, for celebration. Um, but uh, th that was one of the. In fact, that was the first vehicle that I had. Yeah. Christmas '78, '79, yeah. yeah. whenever it was, um, and the fact that it, it felt like it hovered because it had got the spring-loaded wheels. Um, I was going I, to get to that, yeah. Yeah, so I had the Palatoy version, which didn't have a bonnet that you could open up to see the engine oh. compartment. Yeah, I know. Later in life, I got the Kenner one, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that, which was faster? Um, well, I, I never raced them much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was, for me, because the first sort of 12 figures that you got, there were different vehicles that came out that you hadn't got the figures for. I mean, you got Luke's X-Wing. You didn't get an X-Wing pilot until no. Series 2. No, no. The TIE Fighter pilot, you had to wait way longer for than that. So other than Vader in his, um, in his own TIE Fighter, the land speeder, you could fill up pretty quick. You could get Luke, Obi-Wan, R2 and 3PO on the back. It looked great. And it, the playability of it was fantastic. Why aren't you this insightful when we do the podcast? I don't know. Perhaps I just like a bit of an audience. Maybe. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. It's got three air-cooled air thrust turbines. So, obviously, it looks the part. 
we've seen other design. I mean, in, on starter engines going forward, we'll, we'll go back to land speeders in more depth. Um, but picking this one seemed very relevant. As, as a design, just as a shape, as something that they can spin off and do other things. We saw that cool-looking one in at the start of, of um, The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a design that's very malleable to change well, into the, cool the, things. The, there's a green version of the land speeder in, in The Phantom Menace, It's the same yeah, vehicle. it's exactly the yeah. same vehicle, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously, if you go over to Galaxy's Edge, you can see another version of it. Yeah, there. and there's one at Rancho Obi-Wan, which yeah. was the book for the Phantom Menace one, I think. Yeah, it's Can the Ford say, yeah. Fiesta, really, isn't it, of the Galaxy? It's literally the Harrison yes, Ford no. Fiesta. <laughs> what is it, then? It's the Escort the Mark II. Reliant. The Robin Reliant, of course it is. It is. Of course it is. <laughs> some of them are used for civilians, some of them are used for sort of military, sort of police uh, sort Land of concerns. Land Rover, that makes more sense. <laughs> you, you could bl- fit them with a blaster cannon. I can't imagine a speeder like that with a blaster cannon. I've never seen one in, in fiction before. How would it ground itself when it, the cannon went off? You see when tanks yeah, blow recoil. off the cannons and the recoil, it push it back three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> don't, do it some, don't do it with a cliff behind you, you're done for. <laughs> Just been in the shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like Wiley Coyote. When you look at Star Wars, they go into Moss Eisley. There's yeah. Luke and there's Ben in the in the speeder mm. but it's only a two-seater one pilot one crew yeah. so obviously 3PO very precariously is sort of strapped on as is R2 it's not a family car is it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a family car perhaps it's the Mazda MX-5 of space then and on that we're going to finish <laughs> our mini episode of <laughs> Start Your Engines uh, yeah when just to say Fridays on Phantom Tracks Radio 7 o'clock UK time you get episodes of Cannon Friday you get episodes of Start Your Engines episodes of uh, Desert Planet Disc you also get Planet Layer as well sadly not here at the moment and we've got a new collecting show starting very soon uh, as well as Phantom Tracks uh, rather making tracks on Tuesdays at 7 so we've got loads of nonsense to listen to if you've got literally nothing better to do with your life Welcome, join us. Yeah. Um, there's some sensible stuff too. There's a bit of sensible stuff, but generally it's... That's the opening credits. Oh, well done, yes. <laughs> yes, very true, yeah. And generally it's, it's utter, utter nonsense. Um, before we wrap up, because uh, I'm the podcast stage host and I don't want to be the one show that's late, <laughs> I want to ask you guys here, I know Greg has had to shoot off to do... Uh, is he getting a Ewan? He's, Ewan's yeah. gone to get Ewan's autograph, yes. A Scotsman meeting a Scotsman. Makes all the yeah. sense in the world. <laughs> yeah. We've seen a lot of stuff this weekend at Celebrate. I'll just start at the end of the line and work my way along. Of the things that we've seen, we've seen... Can I, we, don't, we, we won't spoil anything if people haven't seen it, because I know not everyone's seen it, but... Obi-Wan's in it, sorry. <laughs> Obi-Wan is definitely in it. And he yeah. lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of the things that we've seen, and there's been, like I say, reveals since we've been in this room that we haven't quite seen yet, or just general fun at Celebration, what, what have you seen so far, Matt? That you've the been best doing? thing I've seen, um, probably Mike McMaster's probe droid. Oh, yes. So Mike's one of the droid builders. He's one of the heads of the droid builders in America and part of the team. He built the chopper for the Star Wars show. Good friend for years. And... I've been following on Twitter and he's been building this life-size probe droid and I saw it the day before the show opened and it was just static and he's like oh yeah I'm going to start driving it round I'm like it moves as well I knew it would sort of hang there on the, its base and its legs would dangle and the head would spin and stuff and make some noises seeing that drive around the show and people's absolute awe it's like when we were at Germany yeah. and we saw that guy in the Wampa suit yes. and it blew us away yeah. you see some cool cosplays the first time I saw a Grievous cosplay at a show and stuff and people do the ones that are weird and wacky and way out there. Seeing that thing drive around and everyone just in utter awe, it's mind-blowing. And it's relevant again, because obviously we saw it in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And in um, Rogue One. And, of course, yeah. Rogue One, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the noise. The noise, he's got all... I don't know if he's got all the authentic sounds, but knowing Mike, he knows the right people. And yeah. Most likely has. It's got a 
booming sound box on it. It's got all the right lights and everything. And it's taken a few years. It's a big passion project yeah. for him, but it is. That's probably one of the things that's blown me away. All the stuff we trailers that we've seen are great, and the sort of the Ahsoka trailer and the bits of button. Yeah, that's all good stuff. But I knew that was coming. Yeah. But not knowing that he could move that around and how blooming big it was. You see a picture on Instagram, you're like, oh, that looks quite big. And they're like, oh, no, I built it one-to-one. I've told him he's got to bring it out to visit Arthur's next time we go. Yeah. He's like, I don't think it'll fit on the train. I was like, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just take our toy ones. And uh, Nay Paula. Well, I've got three. I'll be very quick with them. I'll, I'll bullet point them. Okay. Go for it. Go All right. for it. So for me, um, from a Star Wars point of view, the opening panel on day one, the, the Lixfilm panel, absolutely amazing. Way back in Orlando, I queued up with a good friend of ours, Paul McHugh, and uh, actually ended up in the, the, the secondary stage. So we, we'd queued up all night thinking we were going to see it in the flesh, and we didn't. So this time around, it came good, and that was just amazing. Um, from a, a personal level, as this crazy costume came together, when what people costume? Pointed, when people well, yeah, I always walk around like this. When people pointed out that I had a striking resemblance to an admin clerk from the book, book of Boba Fett, oh, the dreams come true. Um, you know, so uh, uh, the, the first person to actually come up to me when I was wearing this crazy outfit was the best friend of Galen Howard, who played the character. That's mad. <laughs> yeah, That's he came mad. up to me and said. Excuse me, guy with the mullet. And I turn around, he goes, I'm best friends with Galen Howard. I said, seriously? And he said, yeah. <laughs> Do you mind if I take your picture? Not at all. So I'm expecting a call from the guy that plays this saying, whoa, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Trying to trade on my name. Did you give him your email and number? No, but I'm sure it will happen. And then we need to do a Zoom call. Yes. And I wonder what I'll be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, the joy you must have felt when somebody says, hey, the guy with the mullet, and you know that, it's, that you can yeah. turn around. <laughs> well, well, I did, because in real life, I certainly haven't got one, have I? You know, I mean, no. you know. Oh, big I mean, reveal. You know, you might get a mullet out of that would be mighty fine. There's been some um, reveals at Celebration, <laughs> but that's like some beating, it really yeah. does. And third and finally, hooking up again with some of our intercontinental friends that we haven't seen yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I'm thinking the likes of Dan Lowe. Hi, Dan. Uh, big Kev. Um, Mark, who we were just talking to on yeah. stage here. Yeah, yeah. Um, people that we haven't seen for such a long time and it feels extra special because of what we've all been through the last two and a half years. So for me... Yeah, Seeing that's friends. probably the top thing. Yeah. Seeing friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Brilliant. Carl, what about you? <laughs> Not known for the brevity of my answers. Well, <laughs> yeah. speaking of me, you, you've got three and a half minutes. <laughs> but yeah, um, Was it this, 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 this is actually my first ever continental celebration. Like a virgin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Missed music cue. So, yeah, um, yeah, just the whole experience, really. Um, you know, sort of. It's it's been obviously we've got quite a few of the team out here, so it's been a, a bit of a you know sort of boys on tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just the yeah, whole. We haven't got Claire to keep us in. No, we haven't. We, we, we haven't, we haven't got mom, mom yeah. in charge to uh, <laughs> yeah. herd the cats. So. Uh. <laughs> and we've missed Brian and uh, hope he gets well soon. Yeah, yeah get well yeah, soon, yeah, Brian. And um, yeah, so the whole thing really. And Mark, what's your favourite things you've seen or done? Or oh wow! Um, I mean, obviously, I've been hosting this stage, so that's took precedence. But so you've seen you've seen these four walls a lot. I've seen a lot of these four walls and listened to a lot of Which really good. Which wall is your favourite? Which wall? Yeah, that, uh, probably that one because I keep hiding stuff behind it. But you didn't hear that. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Um, no, I've had a great time. There's been great, some great shows. I've really enjoyed everything I've listened to. Uh, but I did manage to sneak out to the Attack of the Clones panel yesterday. Yeah, which was, was the first real panel I've got to, and that was. That was fantastic, Jingle Jangle. That was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Um, 
Last night, yes, we did Disneyland After Dark, that which was, was huge fun, uh, and buying loads of swag and stuff I don't need. Which Falcon's <laughs> best, East or West Coast? That's a great question, because I've been very fortunate I've seen both within the last six weeks. Um, where are we? <laughs> West. Oh, I'm going to say West. The left but, one on the picture. But when we record this, <laughs> if we ever do another podcast stage and we're in Orlando, I'm going to say East. Um, no, it's been brilliant. And like I say, catching up with friends and seeing old faces and people that we've been speaking to for the last sort of two and a half years on, on the, the internet. Zoo. Exactly. And never met. Yeah, and, and folks that we know. And it's just, it's been brilliant. I've loved it. And there's, we're only halfway through. Well, no, we're two thirds of the way through. Yeah. How many days is it? Four days. We're three quarters of the way through. Yeah. I'm not good at numbers. Um, <laughs> brilliant so. at letters. I don't know about that. This is from a man who claimed to have a 28-inch waist. I'm <laughs> so glad you said that. I think I don't think I'm going to top that, so I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you, guys. I've really enjoyed this. Oh, this pleasure. has been a blast. And thank you for being out there and giving us a listen. And try us out if you don't listen, but there you go. Enjoy. Thank you very much. Thanks. Coming up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's... Another episode of Making Tracks.